probably all of us here in the room and watching online have um, hobbies, something that we, we just love to do, uh, whether it's playing cards or um, um, lifting weights. Philip, obviously, like, he's getting, he, Philip is getting a little sassy. He's getting a little too confident. <laughs> I'm telling y'all, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think of something. There's something in the scriptures that I can use to make him bench press 325 pounds. Because he's, y'all heard it, right? Okay. Mark it down. Spray and go home. No, all of us have a hobby. Uh, some people it's fishing. Some people it's hunting. Um, some people it's uh, yard work. Anybody yard people here? Yeah. See, to me, that's hell. But if, if that's awesome for you, if it works for you, it lets them, no judgment here. No, well, a little judgment. Um, but one, one of the things I love to do is I kind of geek out on marketing. Um, I love to study marketing and how brands kind of put their product out there. Um, some iconic brands are Nike, um, Target, Apple. When you see those brands, you automatically recognize them. But one of the other things I love to do is I love to study brands that have like hidden messages in the brand. And so I was doing a little bit of research for this. I don't know where my little remote control is thing. Hold on. Let's see if it's back here. Hey, it's being charged. I should have checked that before I started. Anyway, one of the things that I love is um, Google kind of lets you know about the brands that have like the little secret images in them. And so my, the first one that I want to show you, and I, I didn't see this. I didn't see this forever. And I've seen this brand all my life, but I've never seen the message in the brand. Hershey's Kisses are like highly addictive. I can't have these in my home because I'll eat the whole bag. Yeah, have you ever done that? Okay, because how many calories can be in just one or 10? But, but... I had somebody show me this, and they were like, how many Hershey Kisses do you see? I was like, two. They are like, nope. They are like, two. I was like, I was like, two, nope. And so I got in an argument. I said, like, there are two Hershey Kisses. I went to public school. <laughs> they said, nope, there's three. You see it? Right there, third kiss is sideways. And, and here's the deal. Once you, once you see it, you can't unsee it. Some of you, that's all you're going to get out of church today. You're going, what'd you get out of Second Chance? Hershey's Kisses got that third one in it. <laughs> and hey, if that's all you got out of church, pr praise the Lord. Um, I didn't notice the Tocitos one um, until, until somebody pointed it out to me. I've seen this forever. I've seen this forever, but you see it? It's two people, two people right here. They're at a church function. It's a charismatic church function because they have their hands like this. Because Presbyterians would never do this, right? Um, and, and, and they're dipping it into like the, the salsa, which if that was guacamole, oh, come on now. The, the, can anybody make some good guacamole? Anybody in here? Don't lie to me. Don't go to Sam's and say you did it. Um, I love guacamole. Love it. But you see the two people dipping the chip? And then probably the most famous, iconic one. And once again, once you see this, you can't unsee it. You're always going to see it. It's... The arrow in FedEx, you see it? Right there, the arrow in FedEx. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Some of y'all are like, this is fascinating. What does it have to do with God? I'm glad you asked. Um, one, of, one of the things in the scriptures that I love to do when I'm reading through them is discover, um, you know, what God is trying to say and what God is trying to, you know, Try to where he's trying to direct my thoughts. And one of the things I've wondered in my life, and I'm sure one of the things you've wondered in your life, as you go through struggles, as you go through 
problems or as you go through addictions or temptations is this question. Where's Jesus? I can't see. Like, like, I know we're not supposed to ask that question because we're told that Jesus is always with us. But you know sometimes that it isn't, it isn't obvious that he's with us. Have you ever felt like that? I mean, you can tell other people. You can sometimes see it for other people, but you can't see it for yourself. And there's been times in our lives when we've gone through a bad breakup or a divorce or an addiction or wrestling with anxiety or something, and we've looked back or we've looked at our life and going, Jesus, I've heard all this wonderful stuff about you. You're a healer. You're a miracle worker. You're a way maker. Where are you? And we look and we can't see him. And because we can't see him, we don't think he's there. We don't think he's in the story. We don't think he's real. But he's been with us the whole time. That's one of the reasons we're doing communion today. If you, When you walked in, you should have received a communion cup with a wafer on top and the juice. And I hope you have this close to you and handy so you can be reminded of the presence. We're going to do this at the end of the message. But I hope you can hold it or have it near you during the message so we can circle back around to it. I want to go to a story that if you've been at Second Chance for any amount of time, you've heard me talk about this story a lot. In fact, we have this scripture in our lobby about the prodigal son. But I want to show you something that I've never seen in the story. But what's fa- It's one of those things that once you see it, you can't unsee it. But until I got ready for this message, I never saw it. Here we go. Luke chapter um, 15, verse 11. To illustrate the point further, now let me stop real, real quick. To illustrate the point, what point is Jesus trying to illustrate? Well, in Luke chapter 15, Jesus does something he never does in his entire ministry that's recorded. He tells three parables in a row that have to do with the same thing. Um, to To illustrate the point further is when Jesus, first of all, he told the story of a lost sheep. And then he told the story of a lost coin. And in this story, he's going to tell the story of a lost son. What Jesus was trying to get across to them and to us today is lost things really do matter to God. And at the end of the day, if they matter to God, they ought to matter to us. That's one of the reasons I'm super glad about the ministry of Second Chance is because we've seen people over and over again who were lost or who felt lost get connected or reconnected to God. And I think that's a good thing. Would you agree? Because I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. All right. But that was free. It had nothing to do with the message. Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. Now, (laughs) right here, Jesus is doing a little bit of character development. You know what character development is in a book or a movie is when you're trying to develop characters. So let's do a little character development. Good guy or bad guy? Good girl or bad girl? You tell me. Good guy. Okay, so remember the Titans? One of the greatest movies ever if you love football. I can't. If I'm flipping the channels and this movie comes up, I have to watch it. I could quote just about every line from it. I love Coach Herman Boone, right? Denzel, but Denzel, if Denzel is in anything, it's going to be good. I love Denzel. Love Denzel. All right, good guy or bad guy? Yeah. Here's Johnny. You know, I, that, that movie right there will scare you to death. Now, now, don't answer too fast. Don't answer too fast. Bad. Bad. I know y'all think she's good because she won the Hunger Games and all that stuff, but you know what she did? She played with those two boys' hearts the whole time. 
Peter, I love you. No, I love you. No, I love you. No, I love you. No, I love you. And, and it kind of reminds me of another bad girl. I'll, I'll never let you go. All right, but we're going to get back to the story. <laughs> to illustrate the point, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. Now, right here, we've got character development, and we see three characters throughout the story very clearly. The first character we see is the father. And the father, God is the father in this story. We, we see that very clearly. We're also going to see the older son who's, who represents religion. He's very, very religious, very, very condescending, very, very condemning. And then we see the younger son, which represents rebellion. And just like in this story, we can see these three things in the world that we live in today. For example, I don't have a hard time understanding there is a God. Like, I don't have a hard time believing in God because, um, for example, I can watch a sunrise or I can watch a sunset and just be in awe of God. I mean, I could go for a walk on the beach and listen to the waves roll in and just be in awe of God. I can hold a brand new baby. Have you ever held just a baby, like one fresh out of the oven, you know what I'm saying? It's like, and they're just, it's just so beautiful. And like, so I don't have a problem believing in God. And then religion, we've all seen religion, right? Religion that says, um, you're not good enough, go away until you get better. Uh, many of us have felt pushed down, pushed aside, or looked down upon because of religion. And then we've all seen rebellion. I mean, good gosh, some of the news headlines this week in our country have absolutely been heartbreaking because of rebellion. And let's be honest. We've all seen religion and rebellion in our own lives. But here's the question. So far in the story, where's Jesus? Now, I know some people say, well, it's the Father, it's the Trinity, Father, Son. Yeah, 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 I got that, I got that, I got that. But I'm talking about where's the character Jesus in the story? Well, he's telling the story. I know, but he's in the story somewhere. Where's Jesus? Because he's, he's not the father that runs to the son later on, and he's not, the, he's not religion, and he's not rebellion. So where is he? Let's keep reading. Let's see if we can find out. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. Now, in Jewish culture, when the father died, the sons got the estate, and they got to divide it. Um, the older son would get twice as much as the younger son. What the younger son was basically saying to the father is, I wish you were dead. He doesn't want a relationship with him. He doesn't he want he don't want the fellowship. He can't do anything about the relationship because once the father is established, the father's established, but he can do something about the fellowship. He's like, I don't want to be around you anymore. I wish you were dead. Give me what's mine. And so instead of pushing back, so his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. Don't you wish that there was some point in your life where you were just about to make a huge mistake that somebody would have stepped in and told you not to do it? I took a friend one time to Chinese food. He had never been to Chinese food. And so, and I love egg rolls. Like, like I love all food. I'm, I'm, I don't discriminate. Um, except oysters. So, so we went to Chinese food, and they brought out the egg rolls, and he had never been. I was telling him how good egg rolls were. And, you know, with egg rolls in Chinese restaurant, they serve that hot mustard. You know what I'm talking about? Hot mustard, 
the, the, yeah, that, <laughs> they call it hot mustard for a reason. Um, and so my friend, he saw the hot mustard and he got the egg roll and he takes the egg roll and he dips it all down in the hot mustard. Like he is like dipping it in there. And I was like, I was like, what are you doing? And his response back to me was, I love honey mustard. <laughs> Had I been a good friend, I would have stopped it. But I was like, this is, t-. I was like, yeah, honey mustard is awesome. And um, we were at a church function. He got kicked out of the church for what he said after he put that much hospital. I'm just kidding. But, but the, the thing is, I could have stopped him, and I didn't do it. I, I wasn't that good of a friend, right? I wish, and some of you wish, that right before that, that decision that you made or that season that you stepped in, that somebody would have stopped. Somebody would have said, don't talk to that person. Don't answer that call. Don't return that text. Don't take that drink. Don't take that pill. Don't, don't do it because if you do it, you're going to wind up ruining your life, which is exactly what happened to this young man right here. That I don't know what your vision is for your life. You know, some people have vision boards and all this stuff, but here's what I would guarantee. Whether you have a stated vision or an unstated vision, nobody in this room or watching online wants to waste their life. Nobody woke up today and said, today I want to blow my life up. God help me. (laughs) Let's be honest. Most of us don't need God's help to blow up our lives. We can do a really awesome job all by ourselves. Now, what, what blows my mind is when I hear people teach on this, they're like, he went away to a wild country and he was living in sin and he wasn't having fun. He wasn't doing it right. Can we be honest? Sin is a lot of fun. It really is. Sin is a lot of fun. If sin wasn't fun, we, we wouldn't be tempted with it. But at the end of the day, we can live in sin, but ultimately it will lead to us wasting our lives. That's the biggest problem with it. And so it, I think, personally, personally, I think this would have been a great place for Jesus to step into the story. And the son's getting ready to leave, and Jesus could have went like, hey, 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 sit down. I, I said, sit down. Get out your Bible and start reading it. You are not going out that door, young man. I think that would have been a perfect spot for Jesus, don't you? But Jesus doesn't step into the story. Jesus lets him walk away. I mean, here's Jesus. Jesus, you want great things for our lives. You want us to have a great and abundant life. How are you going to let this young man walk away and waste his life like that? And it, it led me to start thinking about warning labels. Like there should be a warning label on if you walk away from Jesus, this could happen. And <laughs> I started doing Google searches on warning labels, and I found warning labels that should not have to be stated. The only reason warning labels are on a product is because somebody did what you're warned not to do. Which really, 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 as I read through some of these, lowered my belief in, in mankind, just, just to be honest with you. Like, for example, do you really have to say this? Do not hold the wrong end of a chainsaw. <laughs> wow. I mean, I'm imagining some, like Philip out there last week ripping up trees, right? And somebody going, I think if you hold this end, it'll work a little bit better. This one got me on a hairdryer. Do not use while sleeping. Now, I, I, was, I was 
I thought that was hilarious until I got a text from a friend at the 8.30 service. Hold on, I'm going to pull it up. I'll read it to you. Um, hold on. I frequently warm my bed and my kids' beds with a hairdryer in winter, but we don't sleep with it on. So I texted her, I'm turning you into DSS. That, that's what I said. <laughs> but this last one, this last one, this was the one that got me. I can't fathom who did this. This is... <laughs> Warning on a microwave, do not use for drying beds. I can't imagine us running late on a Sunday morning. We just get Chance out of his little bath. Karis, um, run and throw Chance in the microwave. We just don't have time. But um, throw some popcorn in there too so we can get some. I mean, who does that? The only reason they have to put warning labels on things is because somebody did it at some point. But you know what? All of us know there should be a warning label on if you walk away from Jesus. Well, let's just read about it. About the time his money ran out, and you always run out of what you ran after when you run away from Jesus. Let me say that again because that was profound and I don't think I've ever said that in my life. You always run out of what you run after when you run away from Jesus. Always. So the money ran out. A great famine swept over the land. That, then it, when it rains, it pours. Isn't that true? So he runs out of money, and then a famine hits. And he began to, now what's this word right here say? Starve. Have you ever been hungry and angry at the same time? What do we call that? Hangry, yeah. So, so he, don't, don't miss this because there's a theme I've never seen. It's going to work its way through this story. Starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him. So he went from a son to a slave. He went from, a, that, that's, a, that's what you call going backwards in life. He went from a son to a slave. And the man sent him into the field to feed the pigs. Now, when we read this, we kind of skip over it. But in Jewish culture, if you were around, pigs were unclean animals. This was the lowest that he could have gone. But no, he actually goes even lower. The young man became so hungry, there it is again. He's starving and then he's hungry. That even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. I'll bet you that two or three years before that, if you would have asked this young man, hey, what do you want to do with your life? He would have never said, you know, I hope I screw my life up so bad that I wind up in a pig pen craving pig food. But that's what happened. Because over time, you know what? The devil's got all the time in the world just to kind of lure us away. Just to kind of lure us away step by step and bit by bit. And that's what he did. He, he lured this young man away that he wound up in a place that he thought he would never be doing things he thought he would never do. Have you been there? Oh, I'll never be an addict. I'll never get a divorce. I'll never have that problem. I'll never wrestle with that struggle. And the things that we thought 
we would never do, we've done. In fact, some of us, it's a cycle. We just can't quit doing it. And my question, my question, I'm saying all that not to make you feel bad. My question is, where's Jesus? Wouldn't this be a great place for Jesus to enter the story? I mean, guys laying in the mud wanting pig food. Where's Jesus the the comforter? Where's Jesus the healer? Where's Jesus the miracle worker? I think this would be a great place, hello Jesus, to come help me out because I'm in the middle of a situation I thought I would never be in, but Jesus strangely doesn't enter the story here. In fact, the next verse says, when he finally came to his senses. And let me, let me stop real quick and just say this. If you have a friend or a family member that has wandered away from God, stop hitting them with Bible bombs. Stop texting them Bible verses. The best thing you can do for that person is pray that they will come to their senses because until they want to change, the change will never take place. Hey, take it from somebody who has spent Way more time in the pig pen than I wish I would have spent. I'm not, I'm not preaching at you. I'm just talking to you as somebody who has been there. you got to come to your own senses. When he came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have what? Food. Food. So what's the motivation so far? Food. Yeah, let's keep it. Food enough to spare. Here I am. Dying of hunger. There's another reference to food. Huh. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant so he returned home to his father. His motivation was food. You ever been motivated by food? Yes. Have you ever been gotten by a pizza commercial? Or, or, or whatever. I had, I had a friend call me the other day, and she was like, hey, we're having some people down for dinner. Would you like to come? I was like, I don't know. And you know what? If you come, we're making ribs and macaroni. I'm there. I'll reschedule a kidney transplant. I will be there. I am, I am on my way, motivated by food. Now, here's, here's what I find funny. He went home to the father. Was he motivated by fellowship with the father? Yes or no? No. He wasn't sitting there, and he didn't come to his sit. I've heard people say they going, the son finally realized he longed for fellowship with the father. No, he didn't. He didn't think he could, ha- he didn't think he could have the right relationship. In fact, he was going to step back in, and he didn't think he was going to be a son. He thought he was going to have to be a slave. He was motivated by food. But how many of you know that God can take a wrong motivation and still use it? for the right thing. God can take our wrong motivations and still use it for good. Hey, that's what he did with me. The first time I went to church, I didn't go to church. I didn't wake up one day going, man, I just just want to be with Jesus. (laughs) Now, if that's your heart and that's that's how you woke up today, awesome. I didn't go to church because I just wanted to be with Jesus. I went to church because a guy finally told me there are hot girls at church. And I was like, yes, I want to be at the place where hot girls are. And I went to church to see hot. Didn't tell me they were crazy. He just told me that I'm just, I'm not all, not all. I'm just saying some hot and crazy sometimes holds hands. That's all I'm I just saying, not here, but in other churches, maybe. Whew. 
Is it hot in here? Um, I went, I went to church because there were hot girls. But you know what? I had the wrong motivation. But as I got there, God slowly but surely like drew me to him, saved me, changed my life, called me into ministry. And listen, I didn't have the right motive, but I met the right man. His name is Jesus, and he absolutely changed my life in his time. So I don't know why you're here today. Some people come to some. maybe your friend lied to you and told you they were taking you to Target, which you could still go after the service. I don't know. But no matter what our motives are, God can take a wrong motive and use it for the right things. So, so he goes home because he's hungry. And he had this little, um, this thing planned out. Father, I've sinned against heaven. And against, in other words, he goes, I know I can no longer be your, your child, your son. So I'll just be a slave. Which, if you've ever messed up, like as bad as I've messed up, this is what you think. I could never have the life that I once could have had. So God, I promise you, if, if you'll just take me back, I'll, I'll do this and I'll do this. And I'll, I, we, we, we don't think we can be accepted back into a relationship. We just think there's, there's no way that could ever happen. But here's my question. Wouldn't this have been a great place for Jesus to kind of step in? And so, hey, listen, you got it all wrong. You don't have to be a slave. You are a slave to sin. You don't have to be a slave to the Father. You can actually still be a son to the Father. The, but this would have been a great place for Jesus to step in. But he doesn't. In fact, this next verse, um, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming because his father was looking for him. And if you come from a religious background, you are told your father's looking for you. But it's not a good thing. No. It's, a, it's a bad thing, right? You know, when, when I was a kid, Mama said, you just wait till your father gets home. Oh, my God, I prayed for my dad. To never, you know what? Daddy always came home. And that's the way we think. We, we, we think of our father that he wants to get us and he wants to bring us in and remind us of everything we did wrong and, and even abuse us. But the Bible says his father saw him coming filled with love and compassion. Not shame and condemnation, but love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. You know, there's something in this that just moves our hearts. I, I'm an emotional guy. I'm not, I'm not scared to share that. And I remember, um, now we see this a lot, but when they first started doing the videos of the soldiers that were returning home from Af Afghanistan and Iraq and surprising their children, you remember some of those videos? I still cry. I still cry because you see the, 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 the father or the, and they're running toward their child and their child's just weeping and that just, it does something to us. And I, I think that's what this story does to me. In fact, I love do you know I can tell how long you're going to last here by the questions you ask? No, I'm, I'm dead serious. And I had somebody recently, or not recently, I don't know, in the past six months, we haven't been around that long. How do y'all handle discipline? How do y'all handle church discipline? Second chance. 
my response is, number one, I'm sorry you have no friends. <laughs> no, somebody ask a question like that, that they're always asking it because they got an angle. They're not asking it because they think, so, but, but I thought, this is my, and this is my answer. This is my answer. This is my standard answer. I think this is how we ought to handle church discipline. Filled with love and compassion. Like when you walk in those doors or whatever doors we have, that you're just going to be met with love and compassion, not shame and condemnation. Well, what about the verses about where you bring them up in front of the church and you say, yeah, 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 yeah. There's, there's, there's 999 churches within a 15-minute radius that'll do that for you. How's that working? How's that working for the world that we're living in right now? I just want this to be a place where you just met with love and compassion. You just mean anything goes? I mean, I just, I, it's what the Father did, isn't it? Love and compassion. What if, what, if, what if we were just that place? That's why I want us to continue to grow. That's why I want us to, because I think the world needs more of this right here. That when somebody comes home, they're not met. They're not, they're not met with, have you ever gotten this one? Well, we'll see. We'll see how long this lasts. No. Love and compassion. So the father runs to him and embraces him and kisses him. But and this was, don't you think this would have been a good place for Jesus to step in? Going, I knew you'd come home. I knew you'd do it. I knew you'd pull through. But he didn't. In fact, his son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. In other words, he started into a speech, I'm a slave. I, I don't feel worthy. I mean, and, and, but his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger, sandals for his feet. In other words, they're getting ready to throw a party. There's no shame. Instead, there's celebration. They're not, the father isn't pushing him down. The father is lifting him up. The father's like, you, you're not a slave. You're still my child. You're stepping in, not to condemnation, but to restoration. And this is for the person who's in the room or watching online that you feel like you've been pushed aside or cast down and you can never step back into a relationship with the father. The father is in to restoration, not condemnation. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You can step back into that restoration today. And I, I love this part of the story, but, but where's Jesus? He hasn't even been in the story. The, 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 the tough times, he wasn't there. And, and, and the good times, he's not like, where is he? Because they're about to have a party. But he was there the whole time. I'm about to show you something I've never seen. And once you see it, you can't unsee it. It's just like once you see it, you can't unsee it. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. Where was Jesus? The father said, and kill the calf. We've been fattening. 
we must celebrate with a feast. Here's my question. What did the calf do? Nothing. But he had to give his life so that the celebration could take place. In order for the celebration to happen, the calf had to give his body and his blood. And because the calf gave his body and his blood, the celebration could happen. Where was Jesus the entire time that the son was out ruining his life? He was preparing to pay the price so the son could come home. That's what he's done for us. During those times we thought he wasn't there, you know what he was doing? He was paying the price. In fact, he paid the price 2,000 years ago when he died on the cross and rose from the grave. Jesus paid the price so that our fellowship with the Father could be restored and we could step out of condemnation and into celebration. So in just a few minutes together, we're going to take the Lord's Supper. But before we, before we do, I've asked our band to sing a song that just reminds us of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. I'll ask you to sit and listen, and I'll come back up and we'll take communion together. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I just want to thank you that you were always in our story. Jesus, you paid the price for our sins before we were ever even born. Father, I want to pray right now for the person that feels abandoned or confused as we look over our lives that we'll understand, Jesus, that you're always with us. You have never left us. You have never forsaken us. You are always there. We ask this, Jesus, in your name. Amen.